Well, good morning, everybody. Um, great to see you again. Let me lead us in prayer um, as we have a look at these verses together. Let's pray. Lord, we do um, thank and praise you once again for this opportunity to virtually gather. Um, and we thank you that you are God who loves to speak. And so as we have had these verses read to us by Elizabeth, and as I preach them now, we pray that you would speak to us, however old we are, and wherever we might stand with you, whether we'd call ourselves Christians or not, we pray that you would speak. Soften our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, um, what would you like to be like when you grow up? That is, as you, as you keep getting older, um, who would you like to increasingly resemble? Who would you like to emulate? It's an okay question to ask if you're a child, I guess, or a teenager, if you're still growing up. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it, to ask if we are grown-ups, so if we're adults. Maybe, maybe that's not the kind of thing we think about very much. We don't really think in that kind of way once we reach a certain age. But maybe we think it's too late and we've matured and we're done. Maybe we think we're too far gone, too far set in our ways or, or just too busy firefighting. Too busy trying to get through each day or each week or until lockdown's lifted, whenever that might be. And it's striking to me this morning that these verses that we're going to look at and that Elizabeth read, but there's very little theology there. There's very little by way of teaching or doctrine or instruction. Actually, what Paul does is he just gives us some of the ideas from our last couple of weeks lived out by real people. Real people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. You see, he knows that we follow people. And so he grounds these ideas we've been thinking about these last few weeks in flesh and blood with individuals that the Philippians know about, with lives that they've watched, with people that they care for, people that they love. And we will look at Timothy, and he will show us Epaphroditus as well, but also we'll get a glimpse of Paul and some of the things that matter to Paul. So let me ask again, who do you want to be like when you grow up? It's worth saying again that I know we're in a weird season. Um, we've not got the same kind of church body life as we normally would have, but as we consider the influence that others play on us, I think it's right for us initially just to have two questions in mind. The first question to have in mind is who are you influencing? That is, who is watching you? Who is catching your way of living? Who are you influencing? Who are you discipling through the way that you live? So we must ask, what kind of an example are we being? Where do our lives point? An example that leads people to Christ or, or, or away from Christ? The second thing we must consider as well, though, is that uh, is who is influencing us? Who are we watching? Who do we have in mind? Because those people that we watch and we observe, well, they will change the way that we live, whether it's real people who live in your house or at your work, or whether it's people that we follow on social media, whether it's friends that we have and we talk to on Zoom or over the phone, whether it's people we watch on YouTube, we are like sponges. And so the people that we allow to enter into our heads and our hearts will be very powerful in shaping us, more powerful than we might imagine. 
maybe you know something of that is you watch someone or you listen to someone or you spend time with someone and without even realizing it suddenly you catch yourself because you sound a bit like them and so the question must be however old we are who are we being discipled by who are we being shaped by let's zoom in on the three individuals that we see in the passage and the first thing we're going to the first person we're going to zoom in on and that is paul paul and we see him as a servant um, there'll be more on paul in a couple of weeks time because he actually sets himself up as one to watch but for now i just want you to latch on to the fact that paul is a servant as he as he sends them timothy and epaphroditus he wants to serve the philippian church do you see that despite how much timothy means to him paul wants to send him to them verse 19 i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you soon repeats it again in verse 23 just to double underline it for us and to highlight it verse 23 i hope therefore to send him as soon as i see how things go with me and paul himself when he gets out of lockdown and house arrest he wants to go to them too and, and more than that even he wants to send epaphroditus back to them and we said it before but Paul really does love and care for them. He really does love and care for the cause of the gospel in such a way that even though he's in a difficult place, he's prepared to serve them in a way that costs. He's prepared to send his best people at the expense of his own comfort because he knows that the gospel matters more. You see the big point, you see the point for us. Paul gave good people away for the good of other churches. Friends, if you've been around at Magdalen Road for a while, or even if you just know something of Oxford, you'll know this pattern, you'll know that it's costly. And you, you might know that it's something that we think the Lord has called us to at Magdalen Road. Actually, we were just reflecting on it on Tuesday at our annual church meeting online. Um, there were a large number of gospel goodbyes last summer, and we have keenly felt them. And we continue to keenly feel them. Think of the Williamses or the Greens or the Sharps or the Oakleys or whoever it might be. The Hordens. And it hurts, doesn't it? And we miss them. But it's right that like Paul, we are prepared to do that. Whether it's sending people to new church plants, whether it's new cities and new jobs or new countries even. Brothers and sisters, we, we must keep that same generosity of spirit that Paul had to, to love and to look after and to build up people and then send them on to serve others. That they don't belong to us. They belong to him. Even though it's really painful. That's part of who we are as a church. And we must embrace that. We must serve. Of course, as we follow the example of Paul, so he follows the example of Christ, this beautiful God who, who loves us, a God from eternity past who loves and who gives and so is so bubbling over with generosity and, and with kindness. Uh, we've already seen it in this letter. He sends us his son, the, the very one that we needed at just the right time and at such cost to himself. And this applies to us as a church body together, a family, corporate nature of who we are, that we keep giving, that we keep sending, that we stay generous, that we're proactive, that we love and pour into people. We're prepared to serve other churches as Paul did. 
but maybe it applies to us as individuals as well. Maybe in our own individual context, our family context, that we need to, to embrace that, to give and to serve, or even to be those whom the Lord is calling to go. Who knows? So firstly, then we see Paul. Paul the servant. Now, secondly, we're going to zoom in on Timothy. And the word for Timothy is selfless. Okay, Paul, servant, Timothy, selfless. Let me um, read some of the verses again and you'll see something of how Paul describes Timothy. Verse 20 says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been with us in previous weeks, you might recognise that that is the kind of language of the letter from Paul there. Do you remember chapter 2, verses 3 and 4? And what Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others above yourselves or others' needs above yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. What's Paul saying? Here's Timothy. Here is Timothy who does that. Here is a man who serves, who looks to the interests of others. It's not an act. It's not just some of the time. It's not when he'll get something out of it. Not when he's just having a good day, but genuinely he looks for the good of the Philippians. In fact, Paul acknowledges Timothy is the example in this. He has, he has no one else like him. You can almost imagine Paul working through a, a mental list in his head, people he could send, and he kind of puts a line through them. He scratches them out. I could send them Demas. No, not Demas. He, he always seems to be so absorbed with planning the next holiday or buying the next gadget or if I'm honest, he's kind of absorbed with himself. He seems to love the world too much. I could send him Alexander. Ah, oh, no, not Alexander. He's, he's a bit of a socialite. Even the service that he does do is shaped around his overly full social diary. He seems to always be worrying what others think or others are doing. No, not Alexander. Mary. No, no, not Mary. Uh, Mary, Mary seems to only really care about climbing the ladder at work. Timothy. I will send them Timothy. Timothy is occupied with the interests of Jesus. Jesus matters the most to Timothy. I have no one else like him. But then look, he continues in verse 22. He says, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Do you see, Timothy's been around for a while. Timothy Timothy is not a noob, as they might say nowadays. Timothy has a proven track record of service. He's, he's been labouring alongside Paul for a while. But don't miss this point now. This is really important. What is Timothy like? Verse 20. He's one who shows genuine concern for their welfare. How do we see that? Verse 22. How has he been proved? Serving with Paul in the work of the gospel. And you see, we might think that Timothy's concern for their welfare was just about well, seeing how they were doing, being super duper kind to them. But it's more than that, because Timothy knows that a genuine concern for someone's welfare must finally involve talk of the gospel. You see how the two are tied together? Why? Because the most important thing about them is their standing before God. Now, what's Paul saying? How do we show that we are other people centred? How does Timothy show 
that he's other people centered well in part at least it must be because of the gospel work that he does because he speaks of the beautiful gospel of the lord jesus christ i find that challenging it's easy to be nice to somebody it's relatively easy to care for somebody to serve somebody and yet timothy did more than that he cared for them so much that he was prepared to do the work of the gospel with paul that might be your listening in you're watching in and you you wouldn't call yourself a christian maybe you've sort of drifted off or you're not quite sure where you stand maybe you're just exploring or re-exploring matters of faith again this is something really important for us to grasp where we stand before god it, it really really matters there's a beautiful story in the gospels um, that you may be aware of and it kind of exemplifies it gives an example of some of this it's a story of some friends um, and they bring one of their friends to Jesus and yeah their friend is paralyzed we don't quite know what happened or why but we do know he can't walk we do know he's carried around on a mat and so his friends hear that Jesus is in town and they think well what we'll do we'll, we'll take our mate to go see him and yet they can't get to him because of the crowds and so what do they do they climb onto the roof of the house, they break through the ceiling and they lower him down. They've wrecked the ceiling. Shocking, isn't it? Imagine you were the house owner. And there the man is on his mat, having been lowered down, lying before Jesus, unable to move. And we think, what's gonna happen? And they all hold their breath. The collective gasp in the room, everyone in the room knows what the man needs. What's Jesus going to do? Can he heal him? Will he heal this man? What does Jesus do? What does he say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And we're thinking, no, no, Jesus, you've missed the point. It's not his sins, it's his legs. He's come for healing. He's come to be able to walk. And it, and it sounds outrageous. But when we realise what matters most is whether we're forgiven by God, whether we know God, then we get the point. And Jesus would go on and heal the man. But there was something even more important to deal with first, even more important than his legs. It, it was forgiveness. And so maybe we see something of why Timothy's gospel service shows us that he's profoundly other-centred. Shows us why Paul is sending Timothy to them. It's because the gospel is what they need. Most. It's because the gospel is what we need. Most. Even in a time of lockdown. Even in a time of hardship. Even in the time when people have had their rugs pulled out from underneath them. Do you know, the gospel is what we need most. To, to know our Father in heaven is what we need the most. So it must be worth just pausing there and asking, are you someone who understands this gospel message? Who understands something of our, our selfishness, our pride, our rebellion, our sin that has separated us from our holy God, where we say, we say, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rule. S-I-N, we want to do things our way. 
he's someone who knows the reality of that and so then knows your need of grace and forgiveness and new life knowing the one who made you trusting the death and the resurrection of jesus in your place if you're not someone who would say you know those things but you'd like to know more friends we would love to hear from you do get in touch maybe via the website um uh, if, you, if you just google Magdalen road church oxford then you'll find there's a place there that you can leave comments or questions um, or maybe even leave a message in the comment section if you're watching on youtube or on zoom um, we'd love to be able to help you we think jesus is such good news and we think everyone needs to know about him in fact it's the thing that we most need to know about even in a time like this so who do we have we have number one paul servant number two timothy selfless now number three epaphroditus he suffers okay paul servant timothy selfless epaphroditus suffers verse 25 but i think it is necessary to send back to you epaphroditus my brother co-worker fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill indeed he was ill and he almost died now we don't know much about epaphroditus to be honest we do know he was sent by the philippian church to be with paul and to help paul while he was in lockdown he was in prison and we do know as well that he is very ill in fact very ill to the extent that he nearly died and yet the reason he is an example that paul gives is as we've already seen in the letter the, the shape of hardship that he shows it's in a sense one that mirrors that of jesus do you remember the nike tick from a couple of weeks ago god the son takes on a body humbles himself even to death even death on a cross it's down and down and down and down and then god the father raises him up again like a nike tick well so where jesus did die epaphroditus almost died i don't know how you feel about this he is being held up as someone who is following the example of jesus someone who is working out their salvation someone who is wa walking out what it means to follow christ by putting others first jesus gave his life for others epaphroditus risked his life for others he, he poured himself out in a way that was so costly it's striking isn't it rather than being rebuked for neglecting his health Paul actually commends him and holds him up as an example for us, for them. Hmm. We might get a bit twitchy there. Because in a world of self-care and taking care of yourself and making sure we look after ourselves, it, it really goes against the grain, doesn't it? And where Paul says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men, I wonder if we would do that. Maybe we would actually have a quiet word and encourage him towards thinking through a better work-life balance. To encourage him to maybe pop to the doctor and have a bit of a chat. To think, what can you leave out of your diary to give yourself some more space? Now, now don't mishear me here. We need to be very careful. And I'm certainly not saying we should all work ourselves into an early grave. That's, that's not it at all. The, 
the Scottish Presbyterian minister, Robert Murray McShane, who you may have heard of because often people read his sort of Bible pass and Bible breakup for the year. I think if you read three or four chapters a day, you read the whole Bible in a whole year. Um, he worked so hard that his health finally broke before dying age 29. And he said, God gave me a message to, to deliver and a horse to ride, but alas, I've killed the horse. I think that's not a good thing at all. That's not a good example. But maybe some of us do err on the side of caution a little too easily, or maybe some of us do need a bit of reminding. It's okay to pour yourself out a bit more at the expense of comfort. It's okay to put Jesus first. I read a helpful little book a while ago by a man called Christopher Ashe, and it was entitled Zeal Without Burnout. Um, and he was writing as someone who got it wrong in the past. A couple of times he had worked and worked and worked and crashed. And in the book, he, he brings out the point that, that sacrifice is not the same as burnout. And he does that by calling our attention to um, Romans 12, verse 1. Paul was writing to the church there and he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And Christopher Ash says of that phrase, he says, it, a living sacrifice is a strange expression. It means a sacrifice that goes on and on and on being offered so long as it lasts. Which is a helpful point, isn't it? Do you see, we're not to work and work and work until we drop. No, we are to work at such a pace that we can keep going. In following Jesus, it will involve being a sustainable sacrifice. It will involve that sort of other-centred living that God enables us to go on living day after day and month after month and year after year and decade after decade. It will involve looking after yourself, but in such a way that you can then serve and pour yourself out for others. So it, it might mean getting enough sleep. And it might mean eating sensibly, and it might mean having a day off each week, and it might mean seeing friends who refresh you and build you up and encourage you, and it might mean having fun. And it, and it will certainly mean prioritising your own spiritual life. But remembering to, to follow Christ like for Epaphroditus means to act like Christ, and it will mean sacrifice. And it will be inconvenient, and it will be costly, and it will even mean taking risks, but but it's worth it. Look back at church history and you'll see that it's worth it. Look back even at the history of Morden Road Church and you'll see that it's worth it. You'll see that's how God strengthened his people to live. Again, as we've considered buildings and buying a new building, we've thought over the last few years that we stand on the proverbial shoulders of giants. Many of our older generation who are still around, a number who have in the last few years have gone to be with the Lord but they have exemplified this kind of selfless service. They have done that sustainable sacrifice. They have poured themselves out, even at their own cost, even at the expense of their own comfort. And that's right, that's something of what it means to live as a Christian, to live as one who follows Christ. It's hard work. Yeah, and I see it, and I know it's there among the church congregation now as well, at least with and tiny faces on a screen rather than in 3D. Uh, I know it means late nights and early mornings and hard work for a number of you. I know it means pouring yourself out. I know that it's often not seen by others. I know that often or usually it's not glamorous or exciting or maybe even at times much fun. But it's lived out nonetheless. But don't forget, and we saw this last week, 
let's let's thank him and look to him because it's he who strengthens his people to live like this when we wonder if we can do it on our own we must remember we're not meant to do it on our own do you remember verse 13 it is god who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose god enables us to live like this god equips us to pour ourselves out for others and so then paul finishes verse 29 so then welcome him in the lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of christ he he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me and it's right in one sense we have three examples of gospel ministers this morning there's not much theology there's not much doctrine there's not much teaching there's not much instruction there are just three people to chew over and to consider and to to copy even and it's right that we do that and so it's right that we then consider the kind of examples that we are to others and the people watching us and what they see and the kind of examples that we follow as well the people we let into our heads and our hearts and how they shape us but in one sense paul and timothy and epaphroditus they should all point we should all point to one person to the jesus whom they all followed and you see, just as Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus are living examples of what it means to follow Jesus, just as we see in them the kind of service and selflessness and suffering, so we see that perfectly in Jesus. We're to look to him for our example, and we're to point others to him as well. But we're also to look to him as he equips us to live in this way. And so let me ask you that same question again that we began with. Who do you want to be like when you grow up? For the Christian, the answer really ought to finally be, we want to look like Christ. Let's pray now. Lord Jesus, we, we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would help us to point others to you through the way that we live. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for Timothy. We thank you for Epaphroditus. We thank you for the ways in which they pointed to you. We pray that you would work in our hearts. We pray that we'd be those who'd be prepared to serve like Paul, to be selfless like Timothy, and indeed to suffer like Epaphroditus. We confess that so easily we look for comfort. We pray as well that you would help us to emulate the right people, to listen to the right people, to allow the right people into our heads and our hearts, because we know how easily others can shape us. Please would you be the one who shapes us. In Jesus' name. Amen.